So I tried out a different intro. I hope you enjoyed it. The next one will probably be different than that one, uh, as I'll just keep trying to play around with them and see what I can come up with. Anyway, welcome back to Through Josue's Eyes. I'll start the episode off with a few definitions such as gender equality and implicit bias. Gender equality means having the equal enjoyment of rights, responsibilities, and opportunities regardless of gender expression. It implies the interests, needs, and priorities of people are taken into consideration, recognizing the diversity of different groups of people. It does not mean that people have to become the same, but that their rights, responsibilities, and opportunities will not depend on whether they are born male or female or identify otherwise. Implicit bias means acting on the basis of prejudice and stereotypes without intending on doing so. So, I included this one because a lot of my ideas and thoughts may be biased implicitly due to my circumstances and upbringing. So, let's get started. We're living in a new time where things aren't the way they were 50 years ago. This means that gender roles are being bent and people are living the way that they want. But there are some inconsistencies. For example, men and women in relationships. In the older generations, men had to be the romantic pursuers and the women were those pursued. Simple, right? Well, not anymore. I can't speak on what women and men were like in the older generations because I wasn't there, but I can speak on today. With social media and general media picking up and a strong push for gender equality, the dynamic changed. I'm not saying it's for the better or for the worse. This brings me to my next point. Romantic expectations in the media. Media such as celebrities, movies, and TV shows play a role as to what we want in relationships as do our upbringing and culture. Let's use a popular romance movie, The Notebook. Before I break it down, I want to say that movies and books like these are made because the consumers eat it up, and I understand it from a screenwriter's perspective. Back to The Notebook. So, many women revere this to be one of the ultimate romance movies. But why? The Notebook follows Noah and Allie who fall in love. But how do they fall in love? Well, Noah asks Allie on a date and she declines as she's already on a date with another dude. Noah doesn't take no for an answer and hangs off of a Ferris wheel until she says yes to him. Let's pause here. Noah didn't take no for an answer. What the hell happened to yes means yes and no means no? Let's continue. So they go out, have fun, and decide to keep it going. Then, the movie shows that Noah and Allie argue. A lot. But at the end of it, are so in love. Hold up, yo, what the fuck? Toxic much? Anyway, Noah goes to fight in World War II, and Allie meets another rich dude named Lon. Allie gets engaged to Lon, but then Allie sees Noah in a newspaper. She panics, she goes to Noah's town, cheats, on her rich fiance, tells him what happened, and Lon was cool with it. 
Like, he was cool with it? Back to it. Of course, Ellie leaves him anyway and goes with Noah. Woo fucking who. So what's the message of the movie that so many women lose their shit over? And this is just one example. Other movies use tropes such as when a guy messes up, he does a grand gesture to make it up. Uh, airport love declarations, kissing in the rain, and or having a sweet best friend that's just waiting to tell the main character that they're in love with them. Well, maybe the last one is real. But the others? How is the average man supposed to compete with Patrick Dempsey or Mark Ruffalo or Hugh Grant? Also, where's the diversity in these movies? Do other races besides white people not fall in love? Potentially another episode in the future. I do want to say, though, that I don't want to generalize people. If movies like this are what you like, by all means. I love rom-coms. Just try not to let it affect the expectations on men or otherwise in romance. On Instagram, I made a poll and asked my women-identifying friends to answer yes or no on whether they would ask a man on a date first. This is very general data and does not include a wide variety of people, as they were just my followers and it wasn't global or anything. 91% of those friends said that they would be okay with it, as in asking a man out on a date first. The other 9% saying that they weren't. I didn't specify on whether the asking was in person or through texting or a dating app, though. I'll come back to the dating apps. So I ask, what is it that those 9% of women are afraid of? Rejection? Judgment? Feeling inadequate? Nervousness? Welcome to being a man in romance. Men face this every day when it comes to asking someone out, let alone the potential mean rejection that women give sometimes, such as calling a man a creep simply because he was unattractive to the woman. Or worse, I hear things like, it's obvious that she likes you because she does X, Y, and Z. To the good bunch of men, yes means yes and no means no. Why drop all of the subtle hints and signs, but when they're not picked up, women get upset. It's because men don't understand it, or at least I don't most of the time. Men think with logic and will come up with quote-unquote logical reasons as to why such hints are dropped. In my case, I do this. I've said things like, oh, well, she was doing that because she was nice, and I didn't attribute the signs and hints to women liking me. This isn't to say that it's women's fault, because this stuff is learned from society and movies, etc., which I explained before. It's also not men's fault because, well, it's also learned from society. I'll give a personal example about a woman's thoughts on asking a man out. In college, I was with someone who was all about giving women freedom with finances, education, and all the good stuffs. So then I asked her, so it seems like you're modern. What are your views on asking a man out on a date? If the DJ needle scratch sound had 
a facial expression, it would be disgusted. And that was her facial expression. She told me that a man is supposed to ask the woman. Now, picture the blonde lady doing math meme. That was me. There's incongruence. She was gung-ho about women getting more freedom and getting the benefits, but couldn't swallow her pride to ask a man out. The thing is, she's not the only one who thinks like this. There are more women like this. I'll give other general personal experiences. Very few times I have been the one asked out on a date or have been asked for my number. And every single one of those times, I was over the moon, excited, you know, super cheesy and cheesing as in smiling. Um, and like I felt good. But again, this only happened a few times. In the past, I've told friends something along the lines of, uh, you have two choices. You could not tell the person how you feel and always wonder about the what ifs, or tell them and know what the answer is regardless of what it is, regardless of your gender. If you like someone, take a chance and let them know. Instead of being stuck in the gender role society that is being attempted to be broken down, and or giving subtle hints, wouldn't it be easier to just be straightforward? Okay, Josue, so who pays for the date? Easy. The person who asked should be the one to pay for the date. Most times, it is a man who initiates or asks the other person on a date, so the man pays. With dating apps, things get a little gray. There are different apps people use, such as Tinder, Grindr, Hinge, and others that may focus on racial backgrounds and or religious backgrounds. There's a stigma on apps like these where people go on them for hookups. From what I've heard, it's a fair stigma to have. But for those guys who aren't looking to hook up, have more to watch out for. These are the guys that try to meet people to have genuine relationships. Some women use these apps for quote-unquote foodie calls and get free meals for men when they have no intention on dating them. Damn. That's rough. The money spent is the last thing to even worry about. It's the time and emotional ties that are wasted because those are harder to get back. There was one girl I met in college who agreed to go on a date with me and told me that she came from another date beforehand and used him for a free meal. I felt bad for the other guy and was immediately put on the defense to make sure that this wouldn't happen to me. Anyway, I wanted to bring this up because it's not just a certain gender that can possibly get used on apps like these. Anyone can. I'll switch subjects on to marriage now. Now, I, I know, I know, I'm only 25 and I've never been married, but data's everywhere, so let's dive in. According to the CDC, in 2019, the marriage rate was 6.1 per 1,000 in total population within 45 states and Washington, D.C. The divorce rate was 2.7 per 1,000 in total population with 45 states and Washington, D.C. Perhaps with the pandemic, 
the rates for both marriages and divorces lowered. According to the data, though, the divorce rate percentage is 41% as opposed to the 50% that most people think it is. The top reasons for divorce are infidelity, conflict slash arguing, domestic violence, and substance abuse. Let's dive into infidelity. So who is more likely to engage in infidelity? That's an easy one, men. There is a certain type of man who is more likely to cheat, the rich one. The rich men are also the most desirable because of power, resources, and providing a lavish lifestyle. If a man earns less than his woman, he may feel emasculated. In this case, I mean, yo, stop being so toxic. Be proud. But if a woman earns more than her man, she can begin to lose respect for him because she's taking care of more of the bills or etc. This causes there to be an unbalance with relationships or in the relationship. I've seen videos from Kevin Samuels, who is a professional image consultant on YouTube, where women tell him that they want a man who earns more than they do, otherwise they won't respect him. So rich men are more likely to engage in infidelity. But who engages in filing for divorce the most? Women engage in 70% of divorces. This is an issue. I'm not saying that every single marriage has to be set in stone because bad shit happens. But men, we gotta step up and do better. I'll stray from marriage and discuss relationships in terms of dating and issues that can arise in them. According to the Gottman Institute, there are four major issues that can cause a relationship to fail. The issues are called the four horsemen. The four horsemen are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Time to break them down. Criticism is different from complaining. Criticism is based more on attacking the person as opposed to complaining, which is based on attacking the problem. Contempt is treating your significant other with disrespect, such as mocking them with sarcasm, ridiculing, calling them names, eye-rolling, scoffing, etc. This can, this can potentially make the other person feel worthless and inferior. Contempt is also the greatest predictor of divorce. So to the listeners that are married, watch out for this one. Defensiveness is usually a response to criticism. When one feels unjustly accused, they look for excuses and play the victim so that their partner will back off. Stonewalling is usually a response to contempt, and it is shutting down, withdrawing from the conversation, turning away, acting busy, or engaging in distracting behaviors. Unfortunately, as humans, we aren't perfect and we might engage in these issues while being in a relationship. I can say that I have. Fortunately, once a couple realizes that the issues are present, which is the first step, the couple then has ways to tackle those issues. I'll post a link in the description for those who are curious about it. Another problem in relationships is when arguments happen. Arguments come with the territory between any relationship, whether it is romantic or not. 
In romantic relationships, people argue with one another and tell other people what was said, or if there are issues, then one person may go to a friend and vent. There's nothing wrong with this, but it could go wrong. Friends will always defend their friend and ultimately take the friend's side. For example, I had a friend tell me about her issues with her boyfriend. I disagreed with her as she said what she did was in the right. I didn't think she was in the right, so I disagreed, like I said. I didn't take her side, and I don't even know her boyfriend. My friend, who was shocked, asked me why I didn't take her side, as she expected me to. If I had taken her side, even if she were in the right, I would just be egging her on or whatever else. And then the problem wouldn't be between she and her boyfriend, because now I know about it. And then I, I feel the need to protect my friend. So I, then I'm involved in their situation. So it, it kind of gets really sticky and... You know, it goes from being a relationship with, of, of two people going to, you know, a web of people that are now involved in this one situation. Again, there's nothing wrong with getting another perspective from a friend when having an issue with your partner or otherwise. But I think it's the way it's done that matters and the friend's response as well. A lot of the points I made don't include non-binary people or otherwise, and I do want to apologize for it because I don't know too much about the way they go about relationships. This episode was written to show the humble perspective of a man that try to be as objective as possible. I just wanted to shine some light on a few things that may not have been thought about before listening to this podcast episode. This episode in no way encapsulates relationship between men and women 100%. In fact, I think I only hit the very, very tip of the iceberg, if that, as some of my points were watered down. Anyway, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I'll include the links to the data that I found in the description. Have a good one, y'all. Until next time. Josue. Out.